0: <laughs> He's he... no Here's the cross. The yeah! takes it. It's the three. It go
1: no going. quickly here. It's gets in behind. Here's
0: Nani with a It's It's 1-1.
2: What is going on, Orlando City fans? Welcome back to the Lions Blog Podcast. I'm your host, Gavin Rushnell, and today we will be reviewing the LAFC match. We won 5-4 on penalties, 1-1 at final time, of course, due to Moutinho's late equalizer from the corner. Um, before we get started, though, I'd like to thank our sponsors, Cappy Subs. You can order over the phone at 407-647-9099 or online at Cappy'sSubsFL.com, all one word, and Adam, where are they located?
1: They're located at 501 North Orlando Avenue, Maitland, Florida, not Winter Park.
2: Make sure it is not Winter Park. Also, make sure to leave a five-star review as we will be reading them out on the podcast. And with that, Daniel, how are you doing tonight?
0: Very well. How are you doing, boys?
2: I'm doing pretty good. Chase?
0: I'm
3: doing fantastic. And Adam? Adam?
1: I just want to give a shout out to daniel real quick it is 10 56 p.m and we're recording this late because of my new job and i get off work pretty late and uh we know our british uh orlando city fans are no strangers to staying up late even if they are stateside so i just want to give daniel a shout out for staying up past his bedtime
0: yeah, thank <laughs> you i was, should have been in bed at nine with some ovaltine you know and uh reading me comics but no i'm staying up and uh I love a little line. To yeah. My
2: mind. yeah. Daniel actually <laughs> missed out on the last pot as well, so uh, we're glad to have you back. Um, and before we start, okay. I'd just like to start with this uh, opening statement and uh, and just say, ah, that was close. I know we were the favorites and all, but but we almost lost. <laughs> what a game! What a freaking game! L.A.F.C. were the favorites. L.A.F.C. were were meant to dominate us. They, they came in and they didn't really give us any respect. They came out and played the same way that they always played. And they thought that they were just going to dominate the match. No, no, no. We did really well. And I'm just very happy that we came out with a... What was it? A, a win? I'm very happy that we came <laughs> out with the win. Um, and so let's get started. Let's get started on analyzing the game. And the game started off aggressively. Um, and I think we're used to kind of being pushed around the park. Uh, in years past, it seemed like we would always kind of get pushed around. Teams would get a couple yellows. We wouldn't really fight back. And then uh, we'd go down a couple goals, and, and we just didn't have any fight in us. So, Daniel, I'm going to start with you on this one since since you're, you're back uh, and this, since you missed the last pod. How much are you enjoying our willingness to get stuck into matches?
0: I, I really like it. I mean, I, I was listening to a, an audiobook book uh, the other day and there was a quote in there which um, I was driving. I couldn't really write it down, but there was something that it went along the lines of that, <clears throat> you know, there's no shame in, in losing as long as you, you play without any fear. It was something along like those lines and that's like the biggest difference right now between this team and last year's team this, and the team before that. Um, you know, you, I don't think anybody would have you know before the game if they said of they lost to LAFC and it would have been a it would have been a, a loss but you know you'd have you'd have fought and not gotten pushed around i think people would have been as you know they'd have been happy obviously the win is the is the cherry on top of the cake but um i was really happy to see the the press and the the no compromise and the you know kind of like a healthy respect for LAFC but not too much i always feel we've, we've shown too much respect to teams and then just bow down so i was I was extremely happy for, for them to just get stuck in and, and to express themselves. Um, I told somebody today, it might have been you, Gavin, that <clears throat> you just let players be players. Let them play football. Let them do what they want to do. And a uh, cup tie, which is essentially what this is is like. It's a knockout competition. Um, it's, a, it's the best time to showcase that mentality. So I, I was really happy with it.
2: Yeah, I think neither team played you know, respect ball. Neither of them Mm -hmm. sat deep and and tried to counter. Neither of them really um, catered their whole entire game plan to the opposition. I think the most respectful thing we did is we uh, changed our game plan a little bit to not allow them to counter us. And we've seen in every single game up to this point, you see four or five people getting into the box. You didn't really see that in this match at all until we were down um, 1-0. I mean, before that, it was it was kind of like last year where you'd see one or two players in the box at max and then the rest of them just outside the box. So I was really happy with the way we set up.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, um, it was very telling that we, you know, we played the the same lineup again, you know, there's no rotation. It was just, you know, changes in that were necessary, which, you know, for example, Mendes coming in for us. So, but we're keeping the same team where we're setting a standard, not just of, um, not just as re- as relating to the competition but in within the squad itself in that look these places in the first team are valuable if you play well you'll stay there I mean what bigger incentive does that give every player on the bench because they know that if they play well enough they're going to get into the team and uh, when you're in a winning team and you want to get into that team it's kind of like catching the, the lightning in a bottle and um, you know i have to capitalise on that and, and keep the run going but you know, whatever they do from here, it's going to be a good, strong, I guess, a good, strong start to the, to the restarted season. I guess I yeah, said so the word start quite a lot, though. <laughs> <laughs> start, start,
2: start. Uh, let's yeah. start to to move on in the match here. Um, and first half, we, in my opinion, absolutely dominated, and the stats kind of show that we had seven shots to their zero. And I was wrong and I was right. So, in the pre match, in the, in the LAFC preview on the, the blog, the article, I said that LAFC are going to get their shots away no matter what. They have been averaging 21 shots per game in this tournament overall. We kept them to zero in the first half. But I was also right in the, uh, not only in the, the article, but also on the podcast where I said, I feel like we are the best team that LA, sorry, the best defense that LAFC has faced to date. We kept them to zero shots. Adam, how did we keep them at, at bay?
1: There's a little anecdote that I want to point to. Uh, a, not really an anecdote, but a an instance. It was around 20th minute, maybe a little earlier, maybe a little bit, first half uh, kind of in the game. And LAFC had a counter opportunity. And Sebas Mendes, I think I texted y'all um, in the group chat, like Seba, Sebas on that counter breakup was... In, was brilliant because it was he didn't make a tackle or an interception or anything he, he didn't win the ball back but what he did was he bothered the uh so lafc was racing up the left side they were getting getting numbers up it was one of those oh here we go this is where lafc puts the pressure on us this, they might get a goal here and sebas mendez just gets onto onto the guy with the ball onto the left forces him to take a step back forces him to spin out of a would-be tackle and then forces LAFC to set up in a perimeter around the box and start knocking the ball around which is not their game they want to play fast they want to play in a rhythm and they want to exploit defenders backpedaling and I think that was kind of indicative of at least in the first half how we shut down LAFC in the midfield did their job and the midfield was great at, pl- at both playing out of pressure and not giving them those cheap turnovers. And they were really good at when the ball was in, in LAFC's possession at disrupting their, their quick breaks and their counterattacks uh, in order to give the the defense time to set up properly to defend what then became a slower uh, pace, which definitely suited us more than that.
2: And, This kind of goes back to what we were talking on the podcast either last episode or two episodes ago. We don't allow counterattacks. We don't allow them at all. And that's exactly what LAFC like to do. They like to high press, and then they like to win the ball in midfield, create transition opportunities, and then go forward. And yet, we played every single safe ball that was possible, and we didn't really do anything too risky, and we didn't allow them to counter us at all until later which we will talk about um but the the first half we didn't allow them to counter at all and so i think i think that tactic implemented by perea really set us up nicely to dominate that first half all right let's move on now to the second half and let's go straight into it the penalty uh, great play by juan um was it eddie segura or was it palacios whoever was their left back um
1: palacios, who was, was only yellow at the time
2: Oh, I forgot about that. Okay. D- well, okay, let's... Do you think you should have gotten a red?
1: It's tough. Because it wasn't a particularly egregious tackle, but it was in-the-box, sliding tackle, you know, uh one gets by him, and he's basically tackling to to save the the opportunity that he would have gotten. I'm, I think I'm barely okay with it not being a second yellow, but I, I could have easily seen it given.
2: All right, yeah. So Juan does really well. Uh kind of fakes him out. Uh Juan looks like he's not really paying attention that much. It looks like he's just going to put a ball in. Palacio's kind of half turns and then Juan just takes that uh extra touch and goes around him, gets into the box, draws the penalty. It's definitely a penalty. And then Nani steps up. Chase, were you expecting Nani to score cuz I don't know about me, but or I sorry, I don't know about you, but just Nani stepped on. and I was like, he's missed big penalties before and here we are again. Did you think he would make it?
3: Yeah, I mean, he's not particularly been a, a clinical penalty taker. They talked about how he's pretty much like a 50% per, uh, success rate uh, as a penalty taker at this club. And oftentimes he can put away like the rebound or something like that, but um, it didn't necessarily leave me fulfilled with confidence. Like, like if you look back at the penalty shootout from, like, NYCFC and, you know, we had another penalty shootout on this night, like, we have some guys who can who can hit the ball well, like Yuri in particular. Um, you know, I, I would have trusted Mauricio even. And I know that Nani is kind of the captain of this club and, and he's the type of player with that level of mentality that he is going to claim the ball and he's going to take it. But, yeah, I mean, just, just looking at the, you know, the previous kind of uh, – you know, his penalty chances for us, it, it didn't leave me filled with confidence. I, I I didn't find myself thinking that he was definitely going to miss it. But I also didn't feel like, you know, he was 100 percent going to put this ball away, which, you know, a lot of the elite level uh, penalty kick takers, because that is like like a skill that a lot of players possess. And and it's very valuable to a lot of teams. If you can have someone that can put them away like 95 percent of the time, I, I, I didn't feel that with Nani for sure on the day or uh, in this particular instance at least
2: i doubt we change it but do you think we should be changing nani from penalty kicks
3: Well, it's it's something i mean that that can kind of like affect a player and like nani you know we saw like he made his penalty kick in in the, in the shootout so you know he has a very strong mentality but um say maybe he also missed it in the shootout i think it could be something that we could consider like like i really rate yuri as a penalty kick taker and i know he wasn't on the field for the shootout but um yeah it it would be something to consider but but after he made his second penalty of the night and you know send us home the victors i i think that it's probably going to stay with him And, and i think for good reason you know he's shown that he has the mental ability to uh come back even after kind of a a falter like that and put that aside and and uh you know put ice in his veins and, and still put it away. So, yeah, I, I, I think we will see him keep it and or keep the uh, responsibility. And I think it's probably the right call.
2: All right. Now, very shortly after the penalty, uh, the writing was almost on the wall. I I, I put it on Twitter. I said, um, I don't remember exactly what I said, but basically men, mentally after a penalty is missed, teams are just deflated, especially in the predicament we were in. We were the underdogs. We we play so hard to earn a, a very good chance at scoring a goal. I, I think it's like 85% of penalties go in or something like that. And then we miss it. And we were obviously affected by it mentally. Uh, Daniel, how big of a contributor was the missed penalty to their goal?
0: I mean, I agree with like what you've said. I mean, it can certainly... It's, you know, when you look at the, I guess the recent history of Orlando, and you always feel that things go against you. You might get that feeling when you start thinking, "Well, hang on a second, here, here we go again. Our run is over. Our luck is over, and such." Um, you know, and the players tend to switch off and um, have to get reorganized. And you know, it, it can happen to any team. I think, I think most teams are susceptible to conceding a goal after a missed penalty or like. A, like an injustice or maybe like a, a delaying game with an injury or a concession of a goal. So it certainly would have played a part in my mind. But, you know, they responded in kind as well. So um, it's, it's it's certainly had an impact. But I think in the end, it was neither here nor there at the end of the day.
2: Really? I think it had a major impact. I mean, we looked deflated after they saw no, That's what I'm saying. They, they,
0: they, they did. But the, I think what I should have said, I probably should have explained myself a little better. I think this team last year, if they'd have conceded a penalty, they would have caved, and they didn't cave, They conceded a goal, but they didn't cave. They um, they got back on their feet and and got back into the game. So the effect of the penalty was was there, but it was short term. It wasn't something that that lasted, you know, the entire game. Which I think I think it certainly would have done in in the you know in last year's team and the and the team before that, you know.
2: Yeah, let's get on to the goal, and then I have another question to ask you. Um, Chase, their goal was, like I was talking about earlier with counterattacking, it was a clear counterattack. Mendez loses the ball, uh, they high press, Diego Rossi takes the ball right up the field, puts in a great cross into BWP, and he scores. Uh, Is there anybody that you'd pick out negatively for their goal?
3: Well, yeah, yeah, I I mean... Sebas, I think he had a good game otherwise, but the ball was played out wide and he was being pressed, but but that wasn't anything different from the entire game. Um, and, you know, he, he lost the ball in, in sort of an unconvincing fashion and, um, you know, it could have been down to, to nerves because it was such a tight affair and the players know that we aren't necessarily favored, even though we do deserve to be in this game. And, and after you kind of don't take advantage of such a chance like that, like oftentimes teams will kind of falter like we saw here and uh Diego Rossi too that's like the worst player for the the ball to fall to because you know like like we've kind of talked about before like he received the ball and he is so direct and so technically sound and, and so quick and things like that where um you know he received the ball from you know on on their right side about you know 30 whatever 35 yards out and he just immediately took it to the byline and, and found Bradley Wright Phillips in between the center backs. And, you know, it was within an instant of, of us losing possession from, from Sebas who, you know, like I said, it wasn't necessarily um, what you would want to see out of a, a midfielder that is known for kind of quick play and, and ball retention and things like that. And yeah, just, just, it, it just showed how, if we didn't deal with their press more so in the game, uh, it, it could have been a completely different story because they will take their chances, and and you know if if you give them a, a shine at the ball and a chance to kind of run at a disorganized back line, um, they're they're really not gonna miss it because they have quality all throughout their their midfield and and their uh, their front three, and you know we paid the price here.
2: Now after their goal, they looked in the ascendancy uh, uh, continuously, and I think it was because of the mental. Uh, issues with uh, conceding or not scoring the penalty. And Daniel, I'm going to come back to you because you said you wanted to talk about it uh, either during the, yeah, it was during the game. I thought we needed the water break. Um, And what you were saying about how um, we bounced back, I think the water break is the reason we bounced back. You know, if we, if there is no water break, maybe we do come and, and, and still score that goal, but it might take a stoppage on the field like an injury or or just a, a, an extended goal kick or something like that. Um, but we needed a stoppage to kind of to revamp and to go again. So do you want to kind of touch on your thoughts on the water break <clears> and how I've been continuously saying we need to, to
0: revamp? I think um, the point I was getting at was that if this was just regular season play and there's no pandemic, there's no water break. So these players have to figure out a way to, um, to adjust on the fly and to and to book their ideas up. Maybe they need, on the field, a little more on-field leadership to get those players motivated. I mean, this is all rhetorically speaking, of course, because I think the team is in a much better place. But, um, but yeah, we we can't rely on the water breaks. It, it's not the NFL. It's not like we're getting timeouts. You know, we don't have timeouts. We never had timeouts in soccer, you know. So, this is a a fortunate benefit we have with the the rules as they are right now for the pandemic. And you're you're right. You're exactly right in what you're saying. That break allowed them to to get readjusted and everything else. But it's also important to acknowledge that we're not going to have that forever. So, maybe internally, maybe Oscar's going to talk to his players and say, look... um, we're not going to have these breaks forever, so um, when this happens, we need to we need to do this. We need to switch to this. Uh, you there need to need to start organizing back here, and, and you need to do this up there. And you know, as that was my point about the water breaks, use it while we got it, but we we have to obviously not rely on it. We're not going to get that forever.
2: All right. Uh, well, after the water break, we still looked kind of rough, and then we took off. Yuri Rossell, one of the the best players who helps break the press and, um, Akindele. And we brought on DK and Perea, two youngsters to go and get us back into the game. And we've been saying this whole entire time that we don't want to see DK in these moments or, you know, any young players in these moments in general where they have to go and win the game back for us. And yet Perea did it. He brought on the two youngsters to try and claw it back. Do you think that's, because he has trust in the youngsters? Or do you think it's a lack of options, Adam? Yes. Adam. Uh,
1: the answer is both. Um, So uh, Oscar Pereira's reputation as a coach is play the kids. And that's what he does. And uh, his mindset is if someone is in his squad, he he can and will call upon them when he feels that he needs them. Also, Tesh Rackendelli is a starting striker. Benji Michelle was already on the pitch. Chris Mueller was off with an injury. I knew it Dom Dwyer, like it or not, would have been next up and he's out injured. You know, it's DK or Patino at that point. <laughs> and and it was the cr- I think it was the correct move to take Ari off because LAF's, it was becoming a wide open game. They were gonna need to create a bunch of chances, not necessarily good ones, but just throw stuff at the wall, steal what sticks in hopes of getting a goal because the, the players were too tired to keep at that methodical buildup and keeping LAFC at bay. So he put fresh legs on Uh, DK wasn't great. (laughs) Not uh, going to sugarcoat it. It, not that we expected him to like, we've been saying we don't want to see DK in this scenario for this exact same reason. We don't think he's ready and that's not his fault. We're not going to condemn his career or anything. He just wasn't ready. Uh, and But he was really the guy left on the bench. And Patino saw minutes in this game too. Uh, we didn't have anyone that was ready for us to put on. So, you know, it is what it is.
2: Yeah. And then we do get the goal. We get the goal. Uh, who put it in the corner? Was it Pereira? He gets the assist.
1: Is Nani? It was Nani. Was it Nani? It was okay. It Was Nani? Wow. It was Nani redemption.
2: So first of all, before before this, Juan puts in an amazing cross into Patino, and oh
1: my god,
2: if, that was such a good ball. That, and that, if that cross
1: um, deserved a goal,
2: it did, and I thought it was going to be a goal. And and the fact that that ball got cut out, I was sitting there thinking, that's it. You know what else can we do, right? Like that cross was goal worthy and Patino was there to put it into the roof of the net and it just got cut out and I was like there was, okay there's there no Also, way.
1: that build-up yeah that build-up with the uh, the Mauricio Bakula to Mendez was that was it Mendez
2: yeah I uh, yeah. I actually posted oh that yeah um, today
1: we had so many great moments and then um uh Mauricio's like tr- dancing down the left side so mm-hmm. many great moments that just didn't result in goals
2: yeah and that's where our final third's still pretty shaky, but we have we have some very technical players. I honestly, y- you look around the league, how many other teams have as many technical players in their starting eleven as us? LaFC. Who? Yeah, but who else? Honestly, let's
1: see.
2: Maybe Minnesota. Yeah,
0: I think NYC are a good show NYC, as well. NYC at full yeah. strength.
1: NYC.
2: Be- I mean, we went through the exercise. There was, what, nine out of 11? Ten-
1: also ten- a full-strength Philadelphia.
2: Yeah, so. Philly's
1: got some players.
0: Philadelphia the- is really impressive, aren't they? I mean, the way they, not just not so much the personnel, but just the way they play, I mean. Especially with
1: Aronson emerging.
0: Yeah.
2: He'll be gone. He'll definitely be gone. But, yeah, um, just the technical ability of the squad is so good. And, and Juan showed it with that cross. I mean, we that's something we've criticized him on, but but that that gave us the, the corner kick that Nani puts in. And Moutinho, he, he gets... I can't believe he wasn't marked. They must have been doing zone marking, but Harvey is just two, three steps away from Moutinho. Moutinho gets a running head start, and he gets there in front of Harvey. And he just... He wanted it more, and he puts it in the net against his old team. And we're up 1-1, and I was... And look, we were, we were winning all of the corner kicks. Antonio Carlos had the header. Janssen had a header off a corner kick. Um, and then we had a couple short corners. And then uh, the goal. I mean, we were winning corner kicks. So, I mean, it's not something that I necessarily pinpointed or, or saw in the stats or anything that LAFC were, were bad at corner kicks. But we were dominating them in the air. I mean, uh, whose turn is it? Chase? <laughs> what were your emotions during the, during the equalizer?
3: Oh, oh my God. Uh, Well, well, first off, LAFC, Segura is like five foot nine or something like that. And Yakovic isn't particularly impressive and, and, you know, Palacios is a short guy. So, you know, I'm not trying to call out any short people on five foot nine myself, but it's very clear that we had the advantage in the air. But, but as for the goal, it's like, like at the risk of sounding like hyperbolic, it's was just like a ooh, Portland goal one one by the way, not to interrupt, but uh, it was it was a moment that is like one of the more special things at this club, and like like I put it on my Twitter, dude. Like I, I didn't like absolutely ball or anything like that, but there definitely was just like tears coming out of my eyes because it's something that like I couldn't believe, and and even more so like we'll talk about the penalty case shootout, but you know we we've all been been fans of this club for for such a long time and and moments like this have been so few and far in between. And it's been like five years of, you know, not to put it lightly, it's been like genuine suffering. And like, y- you watch, you know, 65,000 people come to the first game, and then I'm here for the home opener of this season. And we couldn't really even sell out that. And it's it's just sad to see. And it's it's something that, you know, we all care about so much. And um it, This has been a fantastic tournament. Even without this, like like before the goal, not to sound defeatist, but I I, I was thinking like you know I'm happy without this team played and and I'm ready to get back into the regular season and you know even if we lose I'm I'm proud of this squad and, and things like that. But but the moment where we show that level of resilience, where you know like I know we were called the cardiac cats before, but like. It was never really against a team like LAFC where they're very clearly the best team in this in this league, like even without Vela, in my opinion. Like they were the favorites. Um to have that just just will to win matched with that level of technical quality, to put the ball away is is I mean, I, I can't even really put it into words because it's something that we've all wanted to for or wanted to see for so long and it's it's not even really also like we've, you know, put billions of dollars or you know it's an exaggeration but put that amount of money onto the field it, it's we've kind of done things our own way and and we've done things by just being kind of you know you know fairly smart as a club and as a front office staff and building a winning team and in that moment you know that one headed goal and, and the penalty kick shootout it's just kind of proof to us that we have come such like a long way as a team and it's we're, we're a completely different club culturally uh you know just just mentally than we were for these past five years and it's it's fantastic to see and I, I know that this tournament this MLS back tournament is just it probably like it, it doesn't even really mean as much as like a U.S. Open Cup and like I'm excited to, at the prospect of us maybe even being favored in, in the final four teams but just the fact that we're playing so well and we're just showing such ability and, and, and such togetherness I guess as a team where we refuse to lose like it's so refreshing and it's so fantastic particularly after these five years and it just leaves me very excited for for the future and and, and for the remainder of this tournament and it just I, I feel like pride in my team again which is not something that we get to experience too often
1: yeah it was it was surreal i think uh, i spent i was up to like and you can definitely see that i was up in my thoughts till 2 a.m last night if you look at my twitter But I was up until like 2, 3 a.m. last night just trying to process what happened. You know, we've seen Orlando City fold so many times in these situations, particularly against, like, when we've had our runs of form. Like, we've had those, like, five or six games where we're winning, and we're like, oh, is is this it? Is this when Orlando City finally gets their act together and then we run up against a really good team and we just get destroyed? And it didn't happen this time. Uh, like I, I remember one of the most disappointing games I've ever been to was uh, the the Christ, um, when the run right before Christ got fired where we won six in a row and then we came up against Atlanta and it was for first place in the east, and we just they manhandled us. and I'll never forget the just the feeling of utter disappointment leaving that game. And this was the opposite of that. And it's just wow, what a feeling, right?
2: It's we've got a we've got a winning culture in the squad and now it just needs to surround itself around the club. The squad definitely have it. We were losing against Miami. We claw back. We were losing against Philadelphia. We bring it back to 1-1 and we dominated that match. We should have won 2-1 if it wasn't for Andre Blake. We dominate Montreal. We I won't say dominate because they were definitely moments for LAFC but first half, they didn't have a single shot. Obviously, they would have had a goal if it wasn't for them being offsides. But they were offsides. So that's the rules of the game. Um, but we dominated that first half. Second half, LAFC come into it. And they get their goal off of a moment. It wasn't they necessarily they 100% deserved it. They got it off of we missed a penalty. We messed up. They got props to Vermeer. Great save. But we missed the penalty. And our, we got rocked it was kind of like when a when a a boxer gets hit and they're they're reeling a little bit and then they kind of hit the knockout blow but we got up we fought back and we won the match on the penalty shootout and so the winning culture is is here in the squad and now it's starting to emanate into the fan base it is starting to grow its way around and and the fans are getting a little cocky now um you know what was that tweet it was like if you couldn't if you couldn't stand orlando city fans when we lose you really can't stand us when we win that's exactly what's going to happen we're going to get the winning culture we're going to start getting cocky because we've had five years of horrible horrible social media presence from other fans atlanta fans always trolling us miami fans thinking that they were just going to walk all over us all we were the joke of the league and now we are standing up and we're saying no we have a winning culture now it's going into the fan base it's already in the squad and that is down to Pereja and his coaching staff and the front office and the players and i think there's a discussion to be had about how important that winning culture is to not only this game but to games going forward daniel do you want to touch on
0: that yeah it's all right isn't it all I got to say after that yeah yeah it's all right <laughs> that's all i got to say after chase's emotional monologue you know I think, it, it's uh, like i'm bringing the tears back it's like
1: hitting <laughs> the, the karate move like that when the nerd learns karate and then kicks the bully's ass at the end of the movie
0: i was thinking of, of rocky actually um when gavin mentioned the knockout blow i was thinking of uh, rocky balboa you know the only thing is we don't have anybody <laughs> called <laughs> we don't have anyone called adrian though you
1: know Du, 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 du. We'll Actually, bring back Rocky. You haven't winter. seen Rocky?
3: You haven't oh, seen Rocky? Yes. You haven't you haven't seen Rocky? Oh,
1: it's a great movie. You should I love see. Rocky. I got
3: all five on VHS. In case you're Ooh,
1: Party at Chase's place. We're gonna watch all five Rockys. I don't know back. there another five.
0: I would be down for
3: that. There's like <laughs> six now. There's one. There,
1: oh right, yeah, because there's a there's Creed, right?
3: Well, yeah, there was a sixth one where Adrian's like dead, and then there's Creed 1, Creed 2. Well, Adrian's like dead. <laughs> yeah, recipe's
0: Adrian.
1: <laughs> Rip Adrian. Yo, Adrian, sorry about your life. She
0: did. It. But, but no, um, it, it's a lot like Rocky. I mean, a, a Rocky Balboa type story. He just comes back right at the death and, and against odds. You know, it's, it's nice to see. And, uh, you know, we touched on it again earlier where you just let players be players and let them play. And you just need a coach to come in and give them that. Uh, confidence in themselves and that freedom of expression and and it can it can work wonders on a team and whatever happens on the field will you know we'll fill out into the stands and you know the you hope that all levels of the club kind of uh kind of merge together a bit so i feel like they've been disconnected you know for quite a long time so you, you hope that it just has an effect that filters down every channel and um you know, and you carry it into every game, and as long as you go into every game thinking we're not going to get walked over, you know you can fuck off if you're going to try and do that, you know. Um, and you can try try and um, you know match the other players, man for man. I mean, you'll you'll do better than you'll you know you'll win more games than you will lose. I think. So I'm hoping they just carry it forward now into every game.
2: It's definitely mentality. I mean, we didn't we didn't go out and spend 10 million on Pulido. Or or get three world class DPS. I mean, we got two world class DPS. If we're talking Pereira and if Nani. You did
0: spend 11 million on a Peludo, That would be the icing on the cake.
2: Yeah, and that's all we need. Yeah, that's all. And we don't have to spend that much. There are players that we can find for for cheaper who have a similar output.
0: I would like to get someone that's younger than 25, that's up and coming. That yeah, might, maybe they'll cost seven, eight, nine, ten million, but it'd be worth it. You know, because you can get several years of success with that strategy. Um, you know, with no disrespect to the players we've been linked with, but I don't get excited over seeing a 30, 31, 32-year-old being linked. Not with the the mentality and the style that you know Oscar's trying to put into the squad now. I feel like you need a younger, more energetic player to to instill that and to to move that forward. So, you know, yeah, I mean, go out go and get that big-name player, especially now. I mean, if you're looking at the unfortunate situation with Dwyer, with the the surgeries I had to have, that's a sign if you ask me that, you know, you've got to maybe move him onto that onto that list and use that DP slot, you know?
2: So does the DP slot open up?
0: I think so. I think you get the slot opened up and that's some it. sort of cap relief. I yeah, find... I believe so
3: because it's also like how uh, Atlanta were able to get Polito because they put Jose Martinez on that season-ending injury list. Like Polito's not the DP, but cool. I don't think they had the cool. roster. Or uh, uh, Cuba, my bad, my bad. Yeah, but I don't think they had the roster spot to uh to to bring him on until they put him on that like season-ending injury list. And and Dom is like four to six months. That's yeah. definitely pretty much season injury or anything. Yeah, the...
0: You're gonna need after surgery. I mean, you're gonna need at least four or six, eight weeks maybe uh, just to that
3: takes him to the end it. of his contract. Yeah, which sucks, you know. Not not that I had necessarily a lot of faith that he was gonna like come back and kill it, but it sucks yeah. that he didn't at least to, like get a, a, a set
0: off game or something. I know we're gonna touch on Dwyer later, so I mean I guess we'll we'll discuss it more, but I mean I'm not the massive Dwyer fan, but you know, anybody that's happy that he got injured just because he can get moved on needs to have a good look at themselves. Yeah. I've seen some silly comments online. Uh, for me, if you're if you're out there and you support a team and you're willing for one of your players to be injured or you're happy that it's happened, I mean, you need to look at yourself not just as a sports fan but just as a person. I think because uh, I'm I'm not the biggest fan of Dwyer, but I don't I don't have a lot of sympathy for him. Um, you know, tendonitis is a a bit of an injury. I had it myself. Um, it's painful. And, um, you know, he's had to have the surgery. I mean, just wish him well. And hopefully you know, he gets back to... You know, he gets back to having I mean, the last few years of his career.
2: Yeah, we'll get on to Dom. But um, yeah. basically what I was trying to say is that we didn't build... You know, we didn't buy this squad. Sorry, we built this squad. We got players on free. We got players on loans with options to buy, obviously. But... um. It's the mentality of the players and the coaching staff, and just they have been the ones building that winning culture. I mean, when we went into the penalty shootout, Adam, did you were you expecting us to win? I know a penalty I shootout was. is a lottery, but did you have it in your I, mind that I think we got this?
1: I did actually. Uh, uh, you almost jinxed us.
2: I did not almost jinx us.
1: Yes, you did.
2: No, I didn't. You're just lucky. <laughs> I put out a stat. Out that
1: yeah, sure. <laughs> anyway, for, for well, those who don't are know unbeaten
2: in four penalty shootouts in Yeah, NLS. so
1: Gavin, right before the shootout, tweeted, we're unbeaten in three. And I was like, Gavin, shut the fuck up.
2: Don't say that right,
1: right now. <laughs> <laughs> but and I also told him I loved him because, you know, like, you need to shut the fuck up.
0: <laughs> it sounds like a lot of tough love here, boys, uh, you know.
1: Uh, no, so... I actually did think we were going to, win. once it got to the shootout, I thought we were going to win just by the, the players that we had available. And uh, I thought we had the goalkeeping advantage, which turned out to not be a thing at all. <laughs> neither keeper made a save, but um, you know, I, both
2: keepers should have made one.
1: Both keepers should have made one, but neither Carlos. keeper ended up ma- making a save.
2: Um, Gosh, when you Carlos know, we just, stepped up, I, heart and mouth.
1: Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That Carlos's penalty was the the nerviest point for me. But I, I thought especially after Harvey missed, uh, he missed the second one, right? He was the second up. Yeah. Harvey I, I kind of had he hit it on the bar. Carlos was nervy. But the others, I was like, I have faith in all of them. Like, let me say Kyle Smith is a damn good penalty taker. It, you you kind of don't expect that out of a guy like him, but he is. Uh, and like just everyone that stepped up, I was like, "Yeah, I have confidence that guy to make it." And they just slotted it home. And obviously, Nani was a tense moment because it was like the redemption shot or whatever. But like, it's still Nani. Like well, our our past our discussion earlier notwithstanding, it's still Nani. And you know, for a guy to step up in the moment, maybe not. I I personally think that I might try like Pereira as our our penalty taker because he his was very. Um, very confident, Uh, It was technically very good. I might have him as the regular penalty taker, but in that moment where you just need one guy to step up and be the guy who's going to hit that winning penalty against LAFC to send you through the next round, it's Nani. It's always going to be Nani. And So I I was very confident. Maybe not very confident. I was pretty confident that we were going to win once it got to penalties.
2: All right, well, let's get into our, our normal segment. And I'm actually going to change the name of the segment. We used to do studs and duds, but Adam said something either earlier today or last night. Actually, I think it was last night during the game. And I thought it was perfect for this segment. Lion up, lion down. Because I, I've really, been doing this on Twitter for a while. I have never seen it. So oh, come <laughs> on, man. Well, I'm in <laughs> your Thunder, then. But basically, I, I did it like last season, too. <laughs> I wasn't following you last season, to be fair. But um, Ooh. basically, that's exactly what goes on in my head when I say studs and duds. Because it's who had a better game than last game and who was worse than last game. And studs and duds kind of mean who was good this game, who wasn't good this game. So I think lying up, lying down is a better a representation. But we're not doing lying down because in my opinion, there's only one. And the rest of them are just way too harsh and it, it wouldn't even make sense to say their names. So... We'll talk about lying down after for that one. So, but I want you guys to just give me your one line up. And Daniel, I'll start with you.
0: line up, um, there's a lot, a lot to pick from. But I'll go with. Let um, me think. I'm just. Go- I'm going to go with Antonio Carlos again. think oh. What? What? What's wrong with you?
2: I took mine. Well, you should have called
0: <laughs> dibs on it then, shouldn't you? <laughs> You know, go, you, ahead, go ahead can, we, can <laughs> we
1: get a replay of that moan? <laughs> oh,
0: sorry. <I'm>
1: <laughs> like a clean take of that
0: That's how you your whoever's listening it.
1: like get your editing software to isolate it for us because we know he's not gonna give it to us
0: no we'll we'll'll he'll, they'll do it again. I'm sure he always does yeah. I know, did but... it um the
2: last time you asked for a retake Adam. or yeah, Adam you did um. What's yeah, that? I did.
1: Maybe you just you make noises, so sometimes I don't want to hear them again.
2: Yeah, I'll, I'll so... replay it in the editing. But anyways, Daniel.
0: I don't know. For a culture that always rides shotgun when it comes to riding in McDonald's, you know, you should have been straight on there. You should have said, "Look, I want Carlos. He's mine." And I would have been okay. That's fine. But um, <laughs> but no, I uh, I'll go with that. I think uh, I read the statistic. I think him and um, Jansen D. I think they made more interceptions yesterday in the game than the entire LAFC team did collectively. Uh, and that's just pretty telling as to the improvement because we were talking about Antonio as the weak link in the defence in the first couple of games. But he's uh, he's really coming into his own and he's just getting more confident, stronger, and he just seems to have a lot more presence now. Like, he, he showed it again. He, he's, he looks a threat at set pieces and, and at the back he just seems to be really switched on. And... Um, we can point to goals and we can point to moments of brilliance, but you know our defense keeps us in that game, especially at one nil down. So he'll uh, be my pick, and uh, you do whatever noise you want, Gavin.
2: <laughs> I'll laugh. Um, Johnson actually had an extremely good interception in the first half that I was like, oh my goodness! Like I thought it was a certain perfect through ball for LAFC, and he just he reads it perfectly. But yeah, Antonio Carlos had an amazing game. Uh, I was going to go with him. Uh, just to give him more love because he absolutely deserves it. So I'm um, I'm glad somebody picked him. If it didn't have to be me, uh, Chase, your turn. Who's your line up?
3: Uh, I'm actually gonna go with Huan. Uh, I think both fullbacks had a like a, like a really good game. Like not even just a good game. Like they were both pretty fantastic in my opinion. Zhao for obvious reasons, and Huan for reasons that were still pretty present, but might not ah uh, be as clear to some. He um he he was fantastic on the right side like like he he had a you know an interesting set to share is he had like a 100 percent dribble success rate with three dribbles in a game and like anytime that you get like two successful dribbles in a game that's that's typically like a very uh impressive number and, and dribbles are a great way to kind of progress the ball outside of passing like i know a lot of people aren't the biggest fans of like adventurous dribbling things like that because it can leave you out but you know, that, that's one of the better ways that he helps us get up the field. And and that's, that's, that's a fairly reliable way to beat the press at times. And, um, you know, he, he had that cross that got us the corner that, you know, if not for a really good Justin Blackman intervention, like that probably would have been the goal and, you know, a career moment for Santiago Patino to get, um, you know, such an important goal. And uh, his crossing was better and and he, he hit his man an awful lot. And I even think that he defended well, like, I can't really think of a time where we were caught out with him, which has been an issue with him in the past. And, um, you know, Brian Rodriguez, who was a little bit down this game in comparison to previous games, um, is still a player that is not easy to handle, particularly for a fullback who isn't really known for his defending. And I think he did pretty well with that. And uh, he drew fouls. You know, he drew the penalty. um, And, yeah, he, he was... 100% 100% like su- like not successful but like it was a very uh complete performance if you will like like going forward it was uh an improvement from what we've seen before because you know his crossing has sometimes been a little bit shaky we've always known that he's been a player that can that can create excitement and create chances and you know he's th- this game especially was was great on that part and, and defensively it was maybe even more impressive because uh, L.A.F.C. We all had to be on our best behavior defensively, and, and him and Zhao and, and and the center backs and, and the midfielders—they they were all—they all did pretty well. And you know, yeah. So my uh, lineup: uh, Juan, Texierra
2: There was only one instance that I remember, and where kind of almost got caught out. And basically, he gets the ball, and I don't remember what the skill move is, but you know where you try and push it to the right, and then instantly push it to the left without the ball touching. Like, like the, your foot leaving the ball at all? I
3: like, a, it's like a snake or something. There's like yeah, a it like a snake. yeah, it looks like a snake,
2: yeah. I, I, I can't remember what, what the name like, for it is. He tries yeah. to do that, fails, and he's getting pressed, so he almost loses it, and then he dribbles out of it, and then I think he gets tackled. Like, I think he might get dispossessed, or, or he, he kind of just has to kick it long, but nothing comes of it. But that was the only instance. Other than that, Huan. Brilliant. So I think that's a great shout, Chase. Did you uh, all yeah, start...
1: did you all notice that he was picking his head up more when he, he was trying to cross it?
3: Yeah. And and a lot of his crosses also weren't necessarily coming from the byline. Like he was putting in those early mm-hmm. balls too. So
2: there uh, were yeah. times where I would say Juan, is a really please, good coach. <laughs> I, I would say Juan, please hit it back post, please hit it back post. And then he would, and he never used to do that.
3: Uh, leaps and bounds. It's a wonder what a coach does, like Adam says, man.
2: It's a wonder. Adam, who's your lion up?
1: Pedro Galese. Yeah, <sighs> I love him. Man, so in that, we, we uh, referenced that period of, uh, right after the missed penalty where LAFC was honest and honest. They got one goal. They should have had two or three. Pedro Galese stepped up. 1v1 versus Diego Rossi. No, Pupo expands himself he makes himself big gets that kick save he gets a double save a few minutes later he keeps that game one nil so we could tie it up in 90 and then win in penalties save a on lesser a keeper. Shot as
2: well.
1: yeah that one too yeah it had like a point blake punch out with a lesser keeper we lose that game three nil easy you know two nil three nil something like that pedro glassy kept us in the game He kept the mentality up because it's it's a lot easier to keep your mentality up one nil than it is two nil. He kept our mentality because we got shortly after like that that streak of like three or four saves that he made, and even though he he didn't have his best penalty shootout, like it it, it's a crapshoot honestly. Penalties are hard to save to begin with, and if they're done right, they're almost impossible to save, and so. In the run of play, he did what great keepers do in a game that wasn't exactly going our way at the time. He kept us in it. He allowed us to steal a game. Pero is my lineup.
2: One thing that's kind of that has been sticking in the back of my mind that's kind of worried me about him is I thought he was a keeper that had to be warmed up, had to have one or two kind of simple-ish saves to kind of. You know, get into the game and, and kind of warm himself up before he finally started making those making those heroic saves. His first save of the night is the Diego Rossi foot save. His second save and the third save is the double save. His fourth save is the uh, Harvey shot. I mean, those are all game-changing moments, and he didn't have to get warmed up by, you know, those are one, all or, two, yeah, one or two saves. Yeah, one or two easy shots. All four of them were huge. Yeah, they were all massive. And so I'm really happy that he was focused, you know, what, what, 60, 70 minutes into the game. He remained focused. And I think that is a telltale sign that he is one of the best goalkeepers in the league. So So is it a stretch
1: given his his international performance, too? Is it a stretch to call Pedro Galicia a world class keeper? I don't think it is.
2: He got looks from European sides, right?
1: Yeah, I mean he he performed extremely well in Copa America, bringing Peru to the finals, and he performed very well in the World Cup. Like he was one of the most important players in the World Cup. Yeah, These he, are the two biggest international stages that. And he has he's entering his world.
2: prime. He's thirty years old.
1: Yeah, it, which, and keepers can have very long careers. I don't think it's a stretch to say Orlando City's Pedro Galeese is a world class keeper.
0: <laughs> yeah, he was getting looks at from. Um... Premier League teams. I know Newcastle was, yeah. was the one that was biggest links, but Arsenal were looking at him last year. According oh, last box, year, uh, last July, July the night.
3: Yeah, yeah. Definitely, you could do a lot worse. I mean, both freaking, Sheffield clubs as well. I uh, mean, I, just, Chelsea. Even
1: just ask like, ask a Chelsea fan if they would rather have Glace or Kepa.
3: Yeah, like like I put out a tweet. Like it was, it was partially a joke, but I was like, if Frank Lampard like offered me Keppa. For Pedro straight up, like I would just I don't know if I would say yes. I don't think I would say yes. No. Yeah give
2: me give me 10 million. Chris Packers. No, no way. All right. Um, my line up. Gosh, you guys left me more than I thought you would. I wrote down four names and two of them are still alive. Which one do I want? I want Mendez. I was harsh on him. Yeah, I was harsh on him in um, the Montreal game because of his offensive output. Um, but today, you know, you see in that one play where that I posted earlier today where he he uh, give, he give does the one-two with Pereira to get out of like a three-man LAFC press. And look, Yuri Rossell was clearly targeted as one of the biggest players of us playing out of the press. And he needed uh, a wingman to kind of come over and help him with that. And Mendez did that brilliantly i believe mendes had the most passes in the game let me pull on my stat up real quick um city ah top players yeah so passes he went 41 of 44 he his three missed passes were all attempted going forward i mean he had a yuri rosell-esque game in helping us get out of the press and uh his one thing was losing the ball that led to their goal, but uh, he was getting high-pressed, and it, it's going to happen, and so I'm not going to really dock him too hard for that. So, uh, yeah, Mendez, for me, uh, is my line-up. And now, really quickly, because uh, it's been a really long part one, um, I think we can all agree that our line down is Nani, right?
0: Yeah, i so. I think so. I mean... It's not like anyone was truly, truly terrible, but yeah, that would maybe be the pick for everybody.
2: He was off on his passing. He missed the penalty that would have put us 1-0 up, and then consequently helped put us 1-0 down. Um, And just, he was attempting dribbles that weren't coming off. He just looked again in third gear.
1: For the first 89 minutes, Donnie was bad. And then uh, he I mean eat.
2: even with the corner kick though it's it's just a set piece it's not like he dribbled past two players and then yeah, it was a really good delivery though he, it he is did. yeah and that's what he he's capable what of
1: he was brought in to do and he delivered in in key moments
3: I don't think he was bad like I don't think he was great and like I guess he could qualify for a player who's you know, just based off this one game, which, you know, you don't it off one game, but like his stock would kind of fall a little bit because his past success was down and things like that. And oftentimes he does kind of slow the game down and and try to isolate players 1v1, which he's done before, but he does it seems to do it a lot more now. But I mean, he was still, you know, creating a lot of chances. Like here, let, let me pull up my, my stat up here. Like, like, I believe that he created like three chances and, and, you know, he, uh, you know, I, I think the dribbling is like an underrated aspect of, of any team's kind of game in terms of like progressing the ball and, and advancing play and causing trouble. And, and he completed the most dribbles with five. And that is partially just because he is a player that the ball will just always find its way to. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the missed penalty was poor. I agree. But, uh, you know, he, he was well, he did pretty well on his long balls and like shifting the point of attack and things like that. And um, I agree that it was bad, but... You know, and, and not that or I I not I don't agree that he was bad. It was bad, bad for not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I think my point here is like I I partially think that we're just kind of seeing like a player evolve into a different kind of you know player, I guess, for lack of a better term, where he's um he is uh, not the type of player where the ball is going to find him and he's going to take it in stride and and you know run at players and try to just create chances on his own. Where but he is he's doing well with spreading the ball and creating chances for other players. And, you know, he can even pop up and, and, and put shots on frame. You know, he had that one coming inside or from the left side, going inside on his right foot, curling it just beyond the post. Like it was very close to troubling the keeper. And, um, you know, especially now where we have a lot more attacking options, I think that he's just doing better, picking his moments a little bit. Like like there was some questionable moments here. Like, you know, and I've talked about it before, but... but uh, I agree that maybe if we had to isolate one person, he would be a little lying down, but I still thought he had a pretty good game just sticking up for my boy here. I know?
2: understand that he is Luis Nani and that he's, he's going to get targeted as our best player. I mean, with his pedigree, yes, he is going to be looked at and he will probably lose the ball more than most because he's probably getting double teamed, sometimes triple teamed because, again, he's our most technically gifted player. He's our most dangerous threat on offense. I mean, going into the season, we were... We were all shaking our heads going, we still haven't improved our offense. Nani is our only threat. He still kind of is. Well, I I guess we still... Anyways. um, But the thing is, is that he takes seven shots in this game, and a lot of them are just... It looked like he was taking them because he didn't think that he was going to be able to take a shot anywhere else. Or, like, for instance, he takes that shot all the way on the left-hand side of the box. There's no way it's going in. There's no way even if it hits the target, that, you know, the goalkeeper is going to save it into the middle. I mean, it was just a terrible shot to take, and he had other options, and he does it. He's done it a couple times this tournament. It's just really frustrating, and and it's like, why don't you just put a cross in the box? Maybe something will happen, and instead he shoots it, and, and it's just the decision-making there. I don't understand it because he did it uh, in the Montreal game, or was it the... I think it might have been the Philly game where he could have pulled it back to Teshuac and Dele, and then he doesn't, and he just the decision making is just all over the place from him and yes he he is one to pop up in the key moments but right now he has been performing poor in my opinion
1: do you think it's a little bit that he's used to playing centrally like, like cuz i i've noticed that too he's been taking like really wide angle shots that are very low percentage like if anyone's going to hit them it's going to be him but he's still not going to hit them and But like when he was playing centrally last year, it was just easier for him to get like just a little better angle and take shots kind of in the same rhythm that he's trying to take them because he was he was I think he's trying to play pretty much just as direct. He's just in a different position and he needs to adjust to playing out on the wing more because now he's playing more within a system rather than give the ball to Nani and see what he can do.
2: The thing is, is on the right side, Mueller is playing as an inside forward. He plays in the right half space, and Juan pushes up. I wish I wish Nani was playing inside forward on the left side. And I know it's not right for the system, and you're absolutely correct. He is a systematic player now. He is not the number one man. He's not our focal point, as we've talked about. But, I mean, if he's inside forward, he just he helps our offense bump up more than one goal a game. Because there's... These last three games, we've only scored one goal, even though we've looked threatening to score two or three. I don't know. For me, his performance was good enough for lying down, Chase, in my opinion. Um, I feel you, I feel you. For the
1: 8,000th time, we need a striker.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> good way to end part one, and that's where we will end it. Uh, we will get to your questions right after this.
1: Well this commercial break is brought to you by Rolling Rock, the two empty beers on Adam's desk.
2: All right. And we are back in part two for your questions. I'd like to start off with a f- fun one here from at Ridner Jonathan. Chase, where is Prairie Statue being built and how do we donate?
3: Uh, I assume it's going to be built at the stadium, but I wouldn't mind if it's built in front of my house for all to see, because I, I hope he signs like a life lifelong contract, like, he's the sole reason that we're playing so well i mean not the sole reason but one of the biggest reasons and uh freaking i mean adam you know he put himself forward to uh taking the donations but i don't really trust yeah, that, but that my
1: venmo on, is at adam dash milsom you can get my name off twitter i have my last name spelled i will 100 percent pass all donations onto the club through the merch shop online <laughs> i the amount of merch that you give me, and it'll, it'll go to the club, just, you know, I might get a scarf out of it.
2: <laughs> I mean, Pereja, is is he the best coach in the league right now?
3: Yeah, especially after San Jose getting out, because Almeida was doing a lot with not much talent, but yeah, now I definitely think it's Pereja without a doubt.
1: He's definitely the most informed coach.
3: Yeah. And yeah, he's he's the the one that's getting the most out of his players. You know what I'm saying? Like like we have talent in this squad, but we're playing like one of the best teams in the league, and you know that might be just slightly above, uh, you know the 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 manpower I guess that we have going here.
2: Yeah, so, all right.
1: I, I want to bring this to the pod while we're talking about Pareja. So my my pin tweet I, at 2 a.m. last night. I tweeted this: If Orlando City wins a supporter shield. Or an MLS Cup with Oscar Preja as head coach. I will get a tattoo of the word protagonist on my body. I will hundred percent serious. I'm
3: thinking Protagonista.
1: I think I'm gonna do English. I I might do Spanish, <laughs> but I, I think I'm doing English. Um, I, I'm thinking like inside right forearm. I don't know like exactly how it looks no no i want it to be like still cool you
3: know (laughs) (laughs) i think it'd be pretty cool
1: (laughs) yeah protagonist forehead tat Uh,
3: yeah
1: i think eddie's gonna tramp stamp or something right (laughs) that's
2: That's what it looked like on his face all right uh, let's get on to a serious question though um at elder gorilla says we need to talk about the elephant in the room dwyer is out four to six months from knee surgery how does the club proceed forward with this hanging around its neck what do you see the timeline of events for Dom, and does he make it past the next transfer window, Daniel?
0: I'm not sure we're going to see Dom Dwyer um, again. Um, I mean, you might, if he if he can get himself fit and the season somehow goes through to the end of the year, he might come for a token appearance at the end. But I think in the long term, I mean, you've got to look at the money involved and, and such unless he takes a, a massive wage cut, you would think, I don't think you're going to see Dwyer in Orlando in the long run. And, um, you know, this is the, it's like we spoke earlier. This is the opportunity the club, you know, might take to go out and get that new striker that we need now. Um, if anything, it just pushes the urgency a little bit more and says, yep, here we go. We need a striker now. So let's go do it.
2: Yeah. I don't, I don't think he sees the field for us again, uh, in, in terms of timeline. I mean, Four to six months. He's not back until November, December, if it's in the five month range. And then that's if we're into what the final of the cup.
0: That's right. And then you've got. And then to, you have to
2: come back from your injury.
0: You've got to. You've got to get fit. You've got to be kicking a ball. You've got to strengthen the the knee, and you've got to be confident in your in your body again. And there's just a whole bunch of things. And, and there's some interesting stuff with Dwyer is that. Um, I read on Twitter and I can't remember the individual that wrote it, but they made a, are you a talking great about the, point. The thread, the thread, the thread it's that from, you uh, at
2: Hogtown Hooligans. I actually have the highlights. Do you want me to say them real quick?
0: We might as well. I mean, it's the... a really,
2: it's a really long thread, but basically the highlights are: uh, they say they would get Dom back on a massive pay cut. Dom had a uh, too much pressure coming in. Um, injury history could help the club in negotiating a cheaper deal, um, and they think other. Clubs will would not take Dom from us uh, if he were to go out, or if like if he were to become a free agent. They don't think Dom would get picked up on a team. So go ahead, Daniel.
0: No, I I tend to agree with with everything that that poster wrote. But um, the point that stands out to me is that they said that Dom is like kind of stuck in his own head a little bit, and I I've fought that for a long time with him. I mean, there's obviously a player in there. He was at one point a very deadly striker that. You know, was a an M, you know he's a MLS like a league MVP and um, an all-star player. he scored in his Real Madrid, and you know very clearly he's some talent in there. So it's it's gone wrong for him somewhere. And I mean, none of us know him well enough to really put put a finger on what it is. We can all make assertions, but the point of the matter is, is that he's not shown his best. And you would think now that this injury is just going to kind of. Um, he's going to just make that situation more apparent. Um, I, I don't see a, a future for him, uh, sadly. But that's that's just um, that's just where it is.
2: Adam, this one's coming to you, and it's kind of about that thread. They said they don't think others would take Dom. Why should we keep Dom if no one else wants him?
1: Well, we shouldn't. Uh, I I don't agree with that statement. I think he's got enough of a pedigree in the league that. Uh, someone else would take him on on a backup deal you know pay him 100 two hundred k a year maybe and be the backup striker and because he he's if he gets his head right he's still got worth i don't think he's getting a mm-hmm. starting spot anywhere he's certainly not walking in to start anywhere but i i think he he can still earn a roster spot uh just i don't think it should be with orlando i think he needs a fresh start somewhere else and a a split would be mutually beneficial for uh, it clears up the money for the club. And, and there's, there's just a clean break there. It doesn't have to be messy. It can be like, say he does say he's fit enough, say he's not injured enough to just step on a field uh, in, in December. Say we happen to be, you know, say, say I'm getting my tattoo. <laughs> it, and we're winning like three, one in in the MLS cup finals. I don't see why it can't just be Dom comes on for one last clap. And, and that's the last we see of him. And and that's okay. You know, players don't, that don't play at one club forever and they're not in playing age or shape forever. And so, uh, you know, I think that, that, dumb Dwyer, we should appreciate the USL days. We should appreciate the moments that he's given us in MLS because he has given us a few moments in MLS. And then that that that's it,
0: you know. The biggest it, one was it, probably the
2: three two win against Portland. I was
1: thinking that that that, that match, was probably the climax. Bowl, yeah, that, that was a great goal. You know, and that 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 was fun. And we can appreciate that, and we can also recognize that he doesn't have a future here.
3: Yeah, and I think, okay. I think with Dom too, like, you know, he's the type of player that's seen how, you know, someone that maybe isn't highly valued by his club, like he was initially by SKC where he got sent on loan, and he did well here, and, and he became such a player of high stature in the league, like, I think he's a smart guy, like, you know, as much as he's in his own head, I think that he'll realistically understand that, you know, he isn't the player that he is, he's not a DP level player, I don't even know if he would be considered really a TAM level player anymore, and you know he's he's not he's not stupid he's not uh, you know I don't think his ego is too big to see past that and you know I don't think that it would be kind of a, a hard break I think that it would be mutually beneficial probably for the club because he definitely just needs a uh, maybe a change of scenery or something like that and you know I I, I like him as, he seems like a good guy good dad all that so I think that he's he's smart enough to understand and yeah it, it's I'm not all for kind of taking a player and and spending what we probably would have to spend on him because I don't know if he'd want to take such a severe pay cut um, to, you know, for for romantic reasons where he doesn't really apply much to the team and I think that he he gets that Dom gets that rather.
2: I agree with all that Chase. Uh, I think I think he does get that. Uh, I don't. He uh, no way his ego is so big that he's gonna say I want another million salary because no team's going to be giving him that no way Mm. um charlotte says can we go all the way uh chase it's your turn i think
3: yeah I i would say absolutely i mean lafc were the best team in this competition they were the best team left in this competition and um, we now have kind of a clearer understanding of the bracket. Um, you know, as we're recording this right now, the NYCFC Portland game is going on. It looks like Portland's going to get through. Maybe it's 2-1. We're currently in the 68th minute, so you could play this back and I, I could be an idiot. But even if NYCFC gets through, you know, they are full strength. We played them without Matrita and Morales, and they're a completely different team. But, you know, like like we've watched us us play and and we know that we're good and we know that you know i i put out a tweet not to like plug my twitter or something like that but like this feels so much different than the u.s open cup game where like we're not just like some team of uh you know destiny i guess like i'm pretty much saying the exact same tweet where we're we're like we're not surviving and advancing and, and getting a little bit of luck and and things like that like we're full value for every win and we performed well enough and and even when we go to penalties like we deserved to be in that position. We weren't just bunkering down and getting lucky and, and having our goalkeeper have a fantastic performance or something something of that nature. Like, we deserve to be here. And if you look at the teams that are left, you know, Minnesota, I definitely think that we can beat. And, you know, anything could happen. We could go out next round. But I definitely think that we could beat Minnesota. And whether it's Portland we face in the finals, whether it's NYCFC in the finals, whether it's Philadelphia in the finals, like any of those teams, like, we can beat. And, and I, I would almost say that, you know, if I'm not too much of like a betting individual or something like that, but if odds come out, I wouldn't be surprised if we were the favorite now, you know, like, like, and, and, you know, I cannot believe that I'm saying that, like, it's, it's, it's unbelievable, but but we definitely can go all the way, and, and I'm proud of whatever happens, but yeah, we're, we, we have every right to kind of go and try to take this trophy.
2: I think it's 100% a possibility that, we could go all the way. And I think all the matchups that are are kind of falling, all the matchups have been falling our way. So like we all said, we wanted LAFC. We got LAFC and look look at that. We won. Uh, I think we are all in agreement that we all wanted Minnesota as San Jose looked the better team. Um, And Minnesota absolutely dominated them. But I think after it's two, one or or three, one, you know, they kind of give up and they let one more goal in plus San Jose, I don't know. Their defense just wasn't at the races today. And again, I think after what we saw against LAFC, we have the best defense in the league, hands down. I, I, I think we just, I think we just do. And so, I think we, we're not going to see that kind of three-one scoreline against us, um, unless we we see some injuries. Like if if Jansen's not available next game, then maybe we could see that. But hopefully, he's back there. Um, and so Minnesota went our way. Um, I personally would rather not face NYCFC as I think funnily enough, they're the strongest team left in the tournament. Uh, they've been playing good soccer and they're currently losing to Portland two to one. Um, I back us against Portland. I back us against Philadelphia and, um, I guess I'd back us against NYCFC, but they did dominate that game without their two best players for large portions. So you know, that's that's the one team left. That's like, if we faced off against NYCFC in the final, I would be kind of nervy going into it. And obviously, I'd be nervy going into it no matter what. But you know what I'm saying. NYCFC, I think, are the best team remaining in the tournament other than us. Uh, but we do obviously have to get through Minnesota first as NYCFC almost just scored. Oh, my goodness. Um, <laughs> so Charlotte at Kirby Hazard also asks, what area do we need to improve in tactically player signings formation etc and then i actually have somebody else uh at Eman vasquez 10 uh says is there any weak points or spots in this team daniel i'm gonna head to you for this question i think i know what you're gonna say
0: yeah i think i think in my opinion we need we need at least three really good quality players we need a, a starting striker a right winger and a, another attacking midfielder and it's not just about the eleven. it's not just about, well, why would you replace Pereira or why would you replace Muir or Nani? It's simply not that. It's just simply to have the better options in the squad and to improve competition. Um, As much as we'd like to say DK, Michel, uh, Patino and such are um, viable options off the bench, they're not necessarily game-changing players, in my opinion. And to have those... Uh, players in depth would be would be a massive help to the squad and to be able to give the likes of Pereira a break. I'm, I felt he was a little bit subdued. At, um, not this last game, but the game before we played. Um, he was a little bit quieter. It would have been nice to just have an alternative on the bench that's not a defensive midfielder, that's not a workhorse, um, to come in and, and to put some fresh legs in that final third. and And I do feel we are lacking just a little bit uh, cuteness when we get to the penalty area. Like we tend to, to rush certain crosses or we don't make the right decisions, as you referred to earlier. Um, so having having a bit more quality up there would be a, a massive benefit. And while you have the momentum of a winning run and a good, strong defense, this is the time to add those pieces in.
2: All right. At Nave O Knockers says... Was Junior Urso good enough to go? And I'm just going to answer this one real quick. No, uh, he would have been on the field if he was good enough to go. I think he was just on the bench. I don't know, just as a formality, I guess. Uh, just Sometimes they put injured players on the bench just so they can go through the warm-up. And then they can kind of say, hey, how are you feeling? Uh, do you feel like you can play this game or not? Even after doing the the fitness test. And clearly he was not at the races to go. So no, Junior Ursa was not good enough to go. But he asks another actually really good question. Was it possible Kyle Smith was put in for his PK ability over a real center back like Schlegel, Miller, or Dejon uh, Adam? I guess.
1: I, I think the, the, um, the, uh, the thinking was when Janssen had to come off that we were just trying to be... Because at that point we're still down one nil. Uh, we're just trying to throw anything forward and see what happened. And uh, and, and and they liked, uh, I guess Preha likes Kyle Smith's uh, ability on the ball a little better than Schlegel's, and, and thought that he could advance and maybe put a long ball in. I think that was more the consideration there because we we're still down, and uh, Preha doesn't strike me as the kind of coach that gets ahead of himself. And so uh, I don't think that PKs were a main consideration there, even though he did take one. I think he's very good at them uh, from what we've seen uh, at, both in the shootout against NYC last year and, uh, and what we saw last night. But I, I, I don't think it was because of PKs. I think it was more just tactically Smith has the ability to put a decent long ball in. And, and so that was more of a consideration. And also he subbed in more than Schlegel, I think. So he, he just might have a little bit more of a comfort level with the squad.
2: Yeah, and also, um, he put Kyle Smith at left back and he moved Moutinho to left center back. So I think it was the attacking minded option uh, because if you need to, you can put Moutinho up and Smith up on the left side and just, you know, try and just, at that point, just overload everything and just send as many bodies forward and just leave Antonio Carlos back there. but I do think the PK thing, maybe it could have been in the back of his mind, uh, but maybe he just wasn't overdoing himself. Um, at Eman Vasquez ten says, "How does the Mueller injury affect the team and the semifinals chase?"
3: Well, well, first off, do we know like what the situation is like? If he's going to be out for a game or if he's like ha- we don't know out. yet,
2: yeah, yeah. but. I mean, he it's was carrying serious. that injury the whole entire first half. He played through it, and then at halftime, he was told basically he can't play.
3: Portland third goal, in case anyone was wondering. But, uh, yeah, I mean that that's huge. Like like we've talked about how our attack uh, has kind of shifted to be more heavily dominated down our right side, and I think that's because Mueller and. Huan kind of have a good thing going like they're they're good with that interplay they're good at playing kind of one twos Chris Miller kind of slipping on in behind and as much as I like Benji I think Benji would probably be the guy that would go in and uh you know play on that right side or or, or, or I don't know it, it would be interesting to see but I think that that would probably be the the one that would uh you know Oscar the decision Oscar would make and um Chris hasn't, you know, scored a goal. I don't. I don't think he's had an assist in the past couple games, which you know isn't isn't cause for concern. But I, I still think he has like a heavy impact on uh, most of most games, and and he does well in uh, in the build up. And he's a very technically sound player, and not that Benji isn't, but he's definitely not to the degree that Chris is uh, at the moment in their careers. And Chris is is one of the names that you know has has been really important to this team because he can come in and receive the ball and he's, he's oftentimes the outlet if we're being pressed and, and we break the press and then he, he brings us upfield and and um, yeah, he's an important player. It's, you know, maybe if we actually, you know, like, like honestly any injury, I mean, Mendez has stepped up, but, but barring, you know, kind of Urso where, you know, Mendez was maybe like a fairly, like for like a replacement with some quality. Like there aren't really any places where I would, obviously I would never want a player to get injured, but there aren't really any places where I want a player to get injured because, I think all, every player has been really important to us, especially kind of in, in the knockout round. So uh, Chris Mueller is none different. And, you know, if, if he's out, we're going to miss him. And, and, you know, I hope that he's full strength because, you know, even if he doesn't pop up with a goal contribution, I think he's been pretty impressive. And I think the alternatives that we have in the bench is, is definitely going to be a, a pretty decent step down.
2: His ball progression, I think, is very important and being available for the pass. And I'm not saying Benji can't do it, but that's just not Benji's skill set. And we saw a couple of, of decent little technical bits from Benji, but it's just not consistent enough to say Benji can fill that role. So if he's not there in the semis, I think... I honestly think that's a big hit. And, you know, we saw in the second half when Benji came onto the field, we struggled in the opening... Stages of the the second half before we kind of turned it around and started dominating again, and, and then we got a couple chances, and then we won the penalty. I mean, at the beginning, LAFC were the the better team at the start of the second half, and I I don't think, or I, I think that that Mueller having to come off was a part of it.
1: If Mueller can't go, I think I would start another midfielder instead of Benji. I think I like Benji. Do you
2: think of- like junior Urso, and then I think if Urso healthy, I would
1: go. Um, I would play a, um, a four, three, one, two. I'd play three in midfield with uh, with uh, Uri at six, and then double eights with Mendez and, and Urso, and just try to dominate the midfield, honestly. And then obviously, Pereira is a huge part of that as well. I have basically four in midfield, and, and just try to dominate the midfield, get your width from your fullbacks, and then have Nani and Tesho link up up front and, and, and see what you can do with that. I think that's a better strategy than trying to play Benji on the wing. I just don't think that's Benji's thing without significant further coaching. Uh, I would be more comfortable, I think, even with Tesho on the wing, playing build-up almost, and then uh, Benji at striker. Just basically, Benji, go score a goal, we'll find you.
2: I don't think Pere is going to change tactics, though. I... I don't. The one do, three one's been working. The high press I don't has either, been working. But that's what
1: I would do given the the um the players available. I think Chris Chris has been so impactful that you can't really like for like him with our current squad.
3: Well, I, this is like I don't know. This is just a bit of like a thought. I guess it's not really like something that I think will happen. But I also thought like if Urso is healthy, like you know, Mauricio Pereira has kind of played. Out wide throughout his career, and maybe we could—I don't know—put like put Nani on the right and allow him to play as an inside forward, or maybe switch like the, the side that we kind of attack heavily on, and and allow Nani to to cut in a lot, and then maybe put Pereira out right or out out wide, and not really have him play as a winger as much as just kind of an option out wide and someone who can put some balls in and, and things like that. But you know, just just even the fact that we're having these conversations of, of you know being forced to shift players around and and change formation and things like that, I think just kind of shows how important Chris has been. And and, and even like, you know, we've talked about this before and, you know, with the U22 rule coming in, something we could address, but like our squad depth is like maybe an issue of concern at the moment and something that, uh, you know, we would like to be, or kind of needs to be addressed.
2: Yeah, we just don't really have many options off the bench. I mean, you see DK, Benji, uh, like like Daniel said, we just don't have enough depth to bring on on the bench. Because when we're losing and we're chasing a game, we don't have someone like, I don't know, for example, Portland just put on Diego Valeri on off the bench. Um, and he went and scored a goal to put them 2-1 up, I believe. And so, you know, you, you just don't see that at or at Orlando at this moment. And maybe, yeah, with Dwyer, uh, we have Akandele on the bench uh, or Dwyer on the bench. But other than that, that's it. So we don't have the depth. Um, but unfortunately, we are kind of hitting our time limit, so we're going to miss out on a couple questions, um, but I do really appreciate all the questions, all the interactions, and all of that. So uh, if I didn't get to your question, I apologize. Um, but yeah, that should just about do it. We did hit our time limit. Please don't hesitate to let us know your thoughts on the LFC match, LAFC match. Don't forget to leave a five-star review. Do the survey linked in the description. And Daniel, where can our listeners find you at?
0: On Twitter, um, Bucketman1982 on Instagram, EllenRod82.
3: Chase, follow me on Twitter at vamosocsc and on Instagram at chase w crowley.
2: And Adam,
1: you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at kosher taco truck. And let me just say, holy shit! Thank you guys. It is surreal to have so many questions that we ran out. Like we, yeah. we appreciate we those so much.
2: One, two, three, four, five topics or questions uh, that I've run out with. So. Yeah, really appreciate it. Um as always, yeah. Thanks for listening. Thanks for the questions. Thanks for the interactions. We'll catch you on the next one.
1: Quickly here, Nani gets in behind, here's Nani with a chip, it's 1-1!